Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So, um, yeah, what I wanted to share this morning, I touched on a while ago at, at Strand, and I was like, well, Lord, what do you wanna, want me to speak about this morning? Because I, I, I want you to understand, when we get up and we preach, we don't come with an idea that popped into our mind on Saturday night at sermon.com. What we talk about, we take it very seriously. It has to be something that impacts our life, where we are. And we, we have moms who are like, yeah, what's going on? Where you're at? What do you feel? It's a life message. It's not just something that I think is a nice idea to talk about. So whatever I, I get up, Henny gets up. Anybody that comes in here, I believe anybody Henny gets to speak here, comes with that certain sense of, of seriousness of what I'm sharing is God and not a shown idea. It's got to be God. And if what we're bringing is God, it impacts lives. It transforms me. I, I don't want to just come here and, and give you a little something about, the, about life lessons. You can go on YouTube and find life lessons. You want to get a motivation? You go to YouTube, you motivation, put it on, listen to it. It's phenomenal. It's great there. You don't need Jesus for that. It's just there's a lot of natural stuff out there. But the Word and what God is doing right now is important for now. I, I love history because I think when you look back, you can see the mistakes people made. So when you look back at church history, you can go, wow, they missed their moment of visitation because they were so busy with what they thought was the right thing to do. They followed a pattern and they didn't follow God. If you follow God's pattern, you'll stay in the rhythm of what God's doing and not just what you think is a nice idea. Just because we've got a brand and a KLC move or we've got a certain thing. If God comes tomorrow and says, you need to change that, I'll say, yes, Lord. Because I follow Him and not just got stuck in my way. That's important. It's vital. And I think God's deconstructing a lot of stuff that we put in. And I think what's happened is... We've gotten used to freedom, and it's powerful, the grace move, and what grace has taught us is to get free, get free from the law, get free from those things that you used to do, get, get into the grace, and that's good. But grace has taken us out of God and just into freedom. So we, we lost touch with God, we just wanted to be free. Well, like a teenager has just discovered that he can take the car for a spin. <laughs> He doesn't understand the responsibility. He doesn't know that costs money every time that goes. So he's just, he's just, that's what we're doing in the spirit. That's where the church was. We were just cupping donuts. We were free. Thank you, Jesus. We don't have to wear a tie. We can do this. We can have a glass of wine and we can go and have a dance. And when I grew up, you saw kids, you need to make space for Jesus. Like there was no. So we got freedom, but what we did is we lost God. And what I think the Holy Spirit's doing is bringing us back to the center, to the core of what this is. Some of the stuff he's bringing back and going like, hey, there are certain principles, certain things that we're missing, me included, that we've got to get back to. And we'll touch on that. And so the Sunday morning I walk into church and someone's lying on the counter and uh, one of the kids forgot it, so it's the very small little Rubik's Cube. So I pick it up, and 
And as I'm walking to stage, to the stage to put my stuff down, I start thinking about how many times I've wanted to finish this thing. <laughs> who's, ever, who's ever had that? Like, you're like, how many times I've... And I'm thinking as I'm walking with this cube, I'm like, man, I, I'm going to, this year, this year, I'm going to get this thing. I know these guys can do it like in three seconds, those freaks of nature, but they probably practiced their whole life, right? That's what I'm thinking. So I'm standing there and we're chatting as a team. You know how we all do. We're a bunch of Christians. That's what we do. We talk and we drink coffee. Anyway, and so we're talking and drinking coffee and we're going and I say to the team, guys, this year, I'm finishing this thing. And so one of the, my bass player, Wayne, looks over to me and he says, you know that you can YouTube that, right? And I'm like, yes, I, but I wanted to do it without finding the tricks. And he says the following words. He says, and it hit me. He says, it's not tricks, it's rules. There's certain steps that you follow, and you could do it in a month. And so my, the worship leader, Nathaniel, turns to me and says, your vision's changed now, huh? It's, a, it's not a one-year vision anymore. It's now a one-month. Because if you follow the steps, you can finish it much quicker. If I don't, I'm going to sit there and do it and do it and do it, and then I'm not going to do it the right way. <laughs> take it apart, take off the stickers, pluck it. But then in your own mind, you know what you're doing? Like a lot of time happens is that I've just cheated. And I don't have the, the fullness of what I needed to get when I did it the right way, when I followed the steps. And so one of the young guys, typical young, young boy, we talk about chess, and he's like, I don't like chess because there's too many rules. I don't want to follow the rules. And I realized in that moment as I was standing there that that's what we do as Christians. We don't want to follow the steps. We want to jump the gun. We, want to, we kind of want to get to the, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We want that side. We love that side. We want the blessing. We want the overflow. We want the results. We love the results. Uh, even last night, we just were going through the drive-thru, and we're like, oh, he just was list with some Kentucky, the dunk, dunk, what, uh, dunked wings. I don't know if, I know you're all healthy people here in Stellenbosch. Never go through Kentucky. So we're like, we're done. And we pull in, and there's a few cars there, and we're like, oh, now we've got to sit. And I realized, like, we hate that. We don't want to wait because we're so used to the comfort of just driving through it. And the conversation with a friend of mine last night was they were going to Peru next year. And, and I said, oh, so you're going to Machu Picchu? And he's like, no, there's too many people there. I don't want to stand and wait. And I'm like, my man. You know what, Machu Picchu, Machu Picchu is amazing. Just find out the right time from the locals and go at a different time. When you follow the certain steps, you can get there at a better time. You don't have to. So we are so used to, we want to cut the corner. We like comfortability. We create a space. If you go to, if people to move, it's like to move from, a, from between homes is one of the most traumatic experiences for people. I've moved 54 times in my life. You know, I guess no duck for that way. I don't like this moving thing. It's like, yo, that's been a lot because of ministry. Ministry gets you moving, okay. But there's comfortability. We like the things we like. The, the husband wants the remote right there. You just like want to just pick up the remote. Now you don't even have remotes. You just talk into the remote. 
Or you just like, come on, there's more and more stuff that's just technology. We want it easier and easier. You just want to go, Alexa, switch on TV or whatever. Like you want to talk to the things. You want to not have, what do we, we're designed to cut corners because it's part of the, the way the brain is designed to solve the problem. But what we do is we do that with God. Because we don't want, we don't want to be challenged. We like it comfortable if it's, I get to the place. We like the story of them going through the desert, getting to the promised land, boom, it's done. But we forget that's one story. The Bible's not made up of one story. It's made up of many stories where many times they went through many challenges over and over, continuously growing. And then we get to a place where again we're in the same cycle and we go like, Lord, I'm done with this waiting thing. Like, shouldn't it be easier now? Or I've prayed for stuff and I'm used to, because it's, I know the pattern. The pattern is name it, claim it, frame it, and you'll have it. Now, I've, I've named and claimed it so many times, but I'm still not seeing it. So now I get frustrated with God because it's not happening the way the pattern is. But there is certain patterns and rules that is put in place for us to get to the result. But what we're doing is, is we're starting to find that through the process of what the church has been going through, this has become a suggestion instead of a guidance. It's suggested. So when we, there's certain things that we skip because we, I want to skip that rule. It's like, you know, men, when we, we have to assemble something, the directions <laughs> in, in the instruction book, that's the one. It's suggestion. So when it finishes and there's three screws left after you put a symbol there, the wife will ask, what about those three screws? No, they're extras. <laughs> it's extras. <laughs> spares. It's spares. <laughs> it's tough when you're assembling an engine and a car and there's stuff left over and you're like, woo, I don't know if we're going to get there. But anyway, that's what we do. Kind of like we're, we don't like directions as well, man, Right? Someone like, you lost. No, I'm not. I'm in South Africa. <laughs> I know where I am. That's the mountain. That's how we go home. <laughs> you never lost. But what happens is there's a certain pattern that the Word has been, that's in the Word. And I want to touch on that quickly today. And I hope it will bless you in the way. Turn with me to Luke 24. I think this is, when we're talking about a key, a process, a, a step this is a vital step. Jesus is about to leave the earth. He's leaving his disciples to take this message. Now, if you are leaving something for somebody to now take, the entire gospel is now in the hands of 11 guys where one is a doubter, the other one is a denier. And this is... Uh, Judas was amongst them and he was a thief and, and sold Jesus out and he was in that crowd. So your, your success rate of, of building your ministry uh, with these guys are, <laughs> woo, we're, we're starting on, a, on the back foot here. But Jesus entrusts something to them to make sure that there is success in what he is giving them and he gives them this simple first step. 
Verse 49, you've heard it so many times, but listen to this. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. I'm sending you a promise. Come on, how many promises have we got? This is the, talking about the Holy Spirit, and I'll touch on that now. But we have promises in our life. We have promises that God's given us, promises that we've received, promises, a prophetic word we've been received, a thing that we've got. But he says, but tarry until you've received power, until it has become part of you, until it is revealed to you. Wait until it's yours. Wait on me. We really struggle with that thing. Because I've, the word is given to me, a prophetic word comes, and what I do is I get that prophetic word, or I get that promise, or I have that thing. And what we do is like, okay, ready, let's go. I think this is the way we need to do it. This is where we're going. And, and I believe, Lord, please bless whatever I am doing right now. Amen. And then we step into it. And then we realize we're so far ahead of God that God has not birthed something in us yet. It hasn't become part of me. What he has promised me, where he's at, the decisions we're making, has not been prayed through. We've not waited till the Holy Spirit has touched us. Because our time is now. <laughs> the key to what he says to how to do this thing is wait on me. And I've asked many times, myself included, so many times we've gone into next things to stuff that we're doing, but we didn't take time to pray it through. We didn't take time to wait on the Spirit, saying, Lord, we're going to wait until we've received power for this. They had no idea what that power was going to look like, but they waited and waited and waited and prayed and worshipped and waited until a moment when the Spirit of God came in. And everything turned around. In that moment, they received power. In that moment, they were transformed. In that moment, they stepped out. They started prophesying. Things started happening. And the Spirit started leading them. But they waited for the Spirit to come upon. They waited for power. As God, quickly, me in Isaiah, Isaiah 40. You know the scripture, but let's read it. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord... What is, what, is, what is he starting? Those who what? Wait on the Lord. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and maybe get weary. They will not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. I find that a lot of times when I was not waiting on God, I get weary in what I'm doing. When I was not waiting for God's release... I fainted. It got too much. I got burnt out. I got out of the key. I was not in the right space. I was not there. And then I get frustrated because God's not doing what I want Him to do because it doesn't look like the vision that I had or the measure of success. And then in 2021, in a, I think 2020, my dad gave me this book. It said uh, about um, success. What was it called? Ah, I forgot the name now. The Lie of Success or something. And I started reading this book, and I was like, wow, I'm starting to run according to what the world's measure of success is instead of what God's measure of success is. 
That sounds so simple, but we get into it. We get into stuff that we haven't stepped away from. When Paul writes, he says, buy out the time because the days are evil. Well, man, yeah, Paul probably had a lot to do. He had live, Facebook Live. He was, he was on YouTube with his videos all the time. He was doing all these selfies and stuff like this. And they were all just so busy with social media, television, traveling, you know, all the stuff, visa applications. You know, that was just was hectic in Paul's life. <laughs> Paul said at his time, way back when, without any of the other distractions, it's important to buy our time. Yo. If he found that that was important in his life for the success of what God was going to do through his life, then he's saying to the church, buy out the time. That means it's not going to hit you. It's not going to zap you. It's not going to be something that just comes in naturally. You've got to create a different pattern to make sure that that is there. And that doesn't mean staying away from church on Sunday. Eesh. Yeah, I need some time. No, why is that now giving away? Because you're tired of the week. Because you've been doing everything else when the time is there for you to come and serve, to come and love, to come and connect, to come and confirm, to come and worship together, to create an atmosphere when people walk in, that the power of God hits them because we're all in one unity. But now I want to I rest on those days. See, I, I want to get to the place where I understand that certain things of the, the principles of what Scripture is, is that prayer is not a suggestion. Worship is not a suggestion. Saving soul, getting soul saved, the great suggestion, that's called the great commission, is saving souls. Forgiveness. It's all things that are there in the Word, but what we've done is we've stepped away from the things that we need to do to get it solved in three seconds. Is if I follow what God has put in place. And because of this, the grace pendulum, I believe in grace. I believe we've been set free from the law, that it's all by grace and none of my works. But to get to a place of understanding, I have been set free. Now from that place, I step back in and I still do what I need to do. Listen, I understand the grace principle, and I'll use this as an example. I didn't get saved because I was scared of the devil. You know, a lot of time when, when salvation is being preached to people, they, hey, come to the front because if you don't, you're going to go to hell today. And Listen, I didn't ask her to marry me because I was scared of ugly women. I wasn't running away from ugly women like, oh, please. I asked her because I was in love with her. I am in love, not worse. I love her. I'm in love with her. I want to marry her. I want to be part of her life. I want to spend every day with her because I'm in love with her, not scared of the loss of her. When we come to God, we bring people in. It is running after God, falling in love with Him, not because we're scared of Satan, but because we want to be with Him. So because I've been set free doesn't mean I now not have a relationship with Him or not seek Him on certain things because that's lawful, Sean. Why do you want to fast and pray? I don't fast and pray to get him to do something for me. I fast and pray because it's me understanding who he is because my day's too busy. 
cutting certain things away, putting certain stuff off, going like, hey, this stuff is taking up my life. I need to put that aside so I can get closer to God. Do That's a powerful testimony of what he shared. He believed more in prayer than seeking the passport. <laughs> See, the thing is like, are you praying too much now? Rather, let's do something. No. It's the key. The key is, let's pray. And we're going to pray and pray and pray until it's revealed, until power comes upon us and we feel we're breaking through in the Spirit. Something's happening. And like, hey, I need to go. Now I know it's there. Now it's shown up. He had this powerful testimony of a man who he had left his ring in the hotel room and he was on the plane flying back home. And it's been a, a, it was a um, inheritance from his grandfather. What's that? What do you call that? Uh, anyway. Yeah, heirloom. Heirloom coming through the generation. So that's been left in the hotel room. And, and he's like, that's a good word, man. <laughs> he's left in the hotel. So he's sitting there and he goes like, oh, because I know that in the hotel room, somebody's going to pick it up. I and so he's now, I'm going to have to call the hotel and stuff. And God says to him in the, in the plane, do you believe that I can give you the ring? And so he goes, yo, that sounds a bit. Come on, I mean, really? Like, Lord, you can, hmm, I don't know. Go to the Old Testament. How many miracles happened? What were the supernatural things that happened? Where did the, the prophets where they said we can't go seek that prophet because he just jumps between mountains? He just he just he's yeah and then he disappears and then we'll get killed because we thought we had him and then he just disappears. We find that when Philip was baptizing, he gets pulled out and he found 40 kilometers further in the city. Supernatural things. We just so he's sitting in the plane and he goes, like, yes, Lord, that, that sounds a bit crazy. But I'm gonna trust you because the very core of who I am is called what? What we call believers. So what we need to do is believe. So he closes his eyes. He starts worshiping. He doesn't feel anything. He just keeps worshiping. He just keeps worshiping. He doesn't. He just worships, worships, worships. And suddenly in the spirit, he sees. He goes, and he sees the cleaner picking the ring up and taking it home. And so he's, he goes and he's like just worshiping and just worshiping. Suddenly he sees, he's in the room and he sees the ring on the, uh, on the dresser. And he says, okay, Lord, so must I call the hotel now? And God says, no, stretch out your hand. He stretches out his hand, picks it up. And in the moment he's kind of like, do I believe, not believe? This is, but where is he? He's been waiting on God. He's worshiping. He's not about the ring. He's about God right now. And so as he stretches out his hand, he pulls it back and opens his hand. It's in his hand. In the plane. And we go like, wow, that sounds so flaky. But it wasn't about the ring. It was about God. It was about believing that all things are, we use that. But do we believe that? Let's, listen, if this watch this is my dad gave me this watch. It was a gift to him. He gave me this watch. Talking about the heirlooms. Okay, so this is watch. Beautiful watch. It carries a lot of sentimental value. It's phenomenal. It's quite expensive too. That also helps. Come for those who like watches. So, but if it, does, if it stops telling time, it's no use. I might wear it once or twice, but I will get irritated because I want it to do what? Tell time. This pen 
It's the perfect size to scratch your ear, right? Was it designed for that? If the ink is dry, it can be the nicest pen. If there's no ink in this pen, it can be the nicest pen on earth. But that wasn't what it was designed for. It was designed to write. If there's no ink, it's gone. If we break down the very structure of this watch, we take out what the core is, the core of what a watch is, no matter how beautiful or how ugly it is. What is its purpose? To tell time. If it stops doing that, it has no purpose. If it stops writing, there's no ink, it's lost its purpose, its core design. What is your core design? The moment you got saved, implanted into you, is the very being of believing. We walk by faith and not by sight. Come on, let's, we can go, let's go through the, the elements of belief, the element of being a Christian. Let's strip it all away. Because I think what we've done is we've put a lot of other coats on. We've put a lot of other stuff. But if we take worship and we break it away, I, when we were in India, dealing with the people that are, you know, we're not confronted with another religion as much in our country as in other countries. A lot of people are Christian or secular. But you step into a culture that is so opposite to Christianity. Hinduism is everywhere. It's in the taxi. The God is in the taxi. Every taxi. Whether it's a tuk-tuk or whether it's an Uber, there's a God there. In the train, pictures of all the gods. Every train. In the station, every shop, every corner, there is some sort of altar and God. So when He takes the money from you when you buy, He kisses the money, He shows it to the God, He offers it, and then puts it back into the till. Every shop. Every shop shows God, there it is. Everything they do, everything they do is to their God. And what is the core of what that is? The core of what that is, is bringing something to God. The core of worship is bringing. It's giving. Worship, singing, is bringing something to God. I sacrifice what? My time. I sacrifice a word. I sacrifice people's ears. No, I'm joking. You, you, you bring in something. But if we, if we take, not even singing is part of what it is. The very core of worship is giving. But what the devil has done in the church is taken giving out and made that a lost thought of what we do in church. So when we talk about finances, it should be the very thing of what I walk in through the door, coming to bring something to God. Oh. They bring fruit. They bring everywhere they go. Everything is about giving something to the God that's dead. We serve a God that's alive. That whatever I put before him, Lord, this is dedicated to you. Power. This is dedicated to you. Power. Release. But what the enemy's done is he snuck into church and dis diluted the finances, diluted worship, diluted prayer. He's diluted everything. So all church has become through a lot of parts of the world, the Western world, is a social club. Not this church, I know. Church down there in Brockman and Springs and Boxburg. <laughs> I lived in that area, so I can joke about that area, okay? It's only two good things that came out of Benonia, Charlize and me. Anyway. <laughs> Questionable. One good thing came out, me. 
We just had to put that line. <laughs> I can joke about it. But we, we've diluted the power of what it was. When you look at somebody in a place, they just get together in a, in a, under a tree. They get into a place of what is the power. We pray for one another because there's nothing else. We give because everything inside of us is God's first. Everything else is second. My time, is, my time for Him is first. My prayer life is first. A lot of places in the Western world, Christians don't know the Bible. So now with a friend of mine who's been in part of a, a church that, um, no, let's not name their name. They love putting people in the water. Anyway, so part of that church, I didn't name them, right? So part of that church for many years, but what has happened is like, he's quoting, a, he says, I've got to quote the scripture. God helps those who help themselves. What scripture? Yeah, God helps those who help them. I said, that's not a scripture, bro. That's definitely not a scripture. That is what you, no, but I always thought that was a thing. So that as I'm doing, then, then God will help me because I'm, yeah, that's a principle because James says faith without deeds is dead. But it's, that's not a scripture. Because what's happened is that reading the word has become something of, even studying the word is secondary. And I realize for those who put that first, we're starting to find there's a pattern that what we do is starting to transform our lives. It's starting to find that God's bringing us back to the simple principles of what makes a watch work. There's a battery and there's a dial and there's a thing. And, and if it's ticking, it's telling time. And if we go back to the simple principles, we step back into what that is. Some stuff is starting to transform and change in our life because we're making it back to the simplicity. And, and not running after the things that we've just become so used to. Does it make sense? So turn with me quickly, dear, to... Um, let's go to Hebrews 4 quickly. Maybe let's jump to Ephesians, Ephesians first. Ephesians 4. Uh, let's read here from, from verse 11. It says, And he gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. I'm just going to ask, in any of that, does he say he gave some to be number one, and some to be number two, and some to number three? No, he says he gave all these different things. And he mentions all of them, okay? I'm going to say something about that now. Uh, teachers, verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for what? The work of ministry. So say to yourself, I'm a saint. I'm called to ministry. You're called to ministry. But there is someone who equips you to do your ministry. Okay? Those equipping helps me to fulfill what God wants to do in my life because we're first called to what? To minister to people. We're ministers of what? The gospel. We're ministering out from it. Your secondary is your job. Let me, let me explain this. I don't, for one moment, want everybody to be in full-time ministry because that's not why he said, yeah, he says some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be, to equip the who? The saints. Come on, like, I'm a saint. Someone, what's your title? Saint. Huh. I'm a saint. To do what? Minister. What are we ministering on? We're serving. We're bringing what? The good news. The gospel. We're bringing that to people. We're bringing the goodness. I've been set free. The good you get somebody who just got saved. All they want to do is get everybody else saved. 
All they want to do is like, oh, you need to find Jesus because it's the best thing that will ever happen to you. But we find later, everything else becomes the best thing that will happen to you. This diet, this movie, this new series, Netflix, uh, that new restaurant, everything else becomes the thing we want to share. Because it's become the very thing that consumes our world. I'm simplifying something. Listen to what this is. My ministry is number one, and God uses the vehicle of your job to bring your ministry about. I listened to Bill Johnson say the following. He said, many people come to me and say, what am I called for? Should I be a doctor, or should I be a, a nurse, or should, should I be an engineer, or should I just be a stay-at-home mom? And he says the following, it doesn't really matter. Do what you feel in your heart, but when you get there, preach the gospel. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Yeah, yeah, I like that last one. Yeah, which is like whatever that is, wherever you go. Should we stay in South Africa? Should we move? Listen, let the Holy Spirit lead you. But when you get there, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. There's a there's a purpose. There's a call to what we're called for. But if we look at what this is, there are people in our life that are placed there by God as gifts. He doesn't say he gave any with a gifting here as the pastor and teacher of this place. No, Henny is the gift that comes here to equip you. Ooh. Now, people have misused that, especially the prophets, because they think they're number one. Things like they say, God gave the prophets to lead everybody else, and even the Holy Spirit obeys the prophets. And they will be the millionaires and the billionaires with the jets, and they will fly everywhere. No, every gift needs to be fulfilled in the fivefold ministry to bring about a fullness of what they need to be. So every one of those giftings in your life, in a church setup, in what that is. So don't run off to prophets. Because there are a lot of prophets who are operating outside of the context of the Scripture and creating more confusion because they're giving people prophetic word. People are following prophetic word and not following those who wait upon me shall renew their strength, they'll mount up with wings, they will fly, they will receive power, and they will be witnesses. That's the number one thing we need to do. Wait on Him. Learn to know His voice. My sheep know my voice. I know His voice. But... And I know it's not, not this church, but I'm realizing across the, South Africa, a lot of that snuck into the church where the prophets are the guys, man. They're the ones. That were, and I realized I flow in the prophetic gifting, and I do have a lot of word for people. But I realized God was saying to me, for now, just keep quiet. Let my word do the work. Get people to understand what the structure is and stop giving them prophetic word for a while. Because they're starting to follow the prophetic word instead of following me. They're starting to get the word. That's the only thing that matters in their life and not the fact that they're part of a body. Listen, none of you came here this morning with half of your body parts in the natural. You're like, yo, man, my hand irritates me today. I'm just going to stay at home. This, this hand of mine is going to do homework today. It's going to like clean everything. It's like the Adams family and the hand will go there. The thing, he'll do his stuff and I'm going there. Or my head goes to this church, my arm goes to that church and we're all like, and you come this half weird stuff coming in through the door. That doesn't work that way. Nothing, it, the body flows as one unit. You call to a body 
<laughs> and when you're part of that body, there's a reason you're here. Nowhere in your body is there one part of that body that doesn't have a function. It's there for a purpose. It's called to be part of what that is, into what that's connected to. With a minute, even if it just fills a space, it's called to be part of that space so that everything else can form into that space. Oh, so we're part of what that is. And as we understand that and we start flowing into that, we're growing because we're part of that body. And where the body goes, everything goes. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because God is trying to take His church to a new season. He's doing something in amongst us. He's saying, I want to mature you. Nobody in this place, if you're wearing a diaper today, and it's for health reasons, I don't want to offend you, but in the natural, nobody's of you wearing diapers here today. Right? That would be weird. <laughs> no adult was you. What do you want to do with your kids? Get them off of diapers. But the church wants to stay in diapers. And we're full-grown, mature Christians with diapers on. Because what we've done is we want to just have it easy and not grow or mature. What does the parent do? Come on. No, 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 no. No more wetting the bed. No more this. You're going to the toilet. No more this. Come on. You need to go sleep at eight. No, you do this. Be part of what. So that when you're at a mature age, you naturally understand, I need the sleep because there's a pattern being built in my life. So we deal with stuff is, I don't just go to the kid, though the kid hasn't, at 12 years old, I could drive a car. We lived on a small holdings, and my mom's little Ford uh, Escort was, uh, was the thing, man. We could just, man, racing up, and me and my sister. We just like go-karts, so for small kids, we have a car. So we used my mom's car, and we were just racing up and down on the gravel roads on the small holding. But nowhere did my parents go, hey, go buy milk. Leave the property, go buy milk. Why? Because I still did not have the maturity. Though I understood the operation, I didn't have the maturity to do what God, my parents, come on, you see I'm mixing this, of what God wants to do. So we need to get to a place like, Lord, somewhere I'm a little out of rhythm with what this is. Let me just step back into you and wait, because I feel my rhythm's off. And let you speak into my life. Henny, man, you're my pastor. Listen, I'm feeling there's a rhythm that's off. Please, you're the gift that God has put you to equip me to become fully matured in my calling. Please talk to me. I'm part of this body so I can understand. Oh, you're starting to see how the structure works that way. But what we're doing is we're not talking. We're not communicating. We're not waiting. We're too fast ahead of that. And then we find a church that's like a bunch of 12-year-olds in Ford Escorts on all the highways. You've seen some of those videos with the kids behind the steering wheel and they video like, what is this kid doing? He escaped in the car in this accident. And Why? Because it's too quick. It's too quick with what that is. It's too, I'm not waiting upon Him. I'm not communicating. I'm not allowing the gifting that God's brought into my life. Not just a prophet. Why is there a teacher? Why is there an apostle? Why is there a pastor? To do what? To bring me to maturity. So that if I'm in maturity and growing in that place, there's transformation in my life. I understand my purpose. I get challenged with certain things so that I can what? Grow. The most difficult thing is to do is when God starts challenging me in where I am right now, once I've, I've been in church a long time. 
but he's still challenging me, still going like, Sean, you're not hearing my voice. What does he lead us in? Righteousness. So what's his purpose and what he's going to do? Hey, there's more righteousness that I want out of you. There's more of your understanding as my son. I'm not fully matured yet. Even as a pastor, I've got to go back like, Lord, I'm running ahead with where you want the church to be. I've got to get the pattern right. I've got to go sit down and just wait on you to hear. And once I feel the power, I can operate in what it is because then I have authority. Listen, listen, and I'll end with this. Give me five minutes. Five minutes, okay? Thank you. <laughs> he, Peter, is confronted about his belief. Do you know Jesus? What does he do? Denies him three times. Just before that, they were coming to take Jesus. What did he do? Pulled out his sword. 12-year-old Ford Escort. Chopped off the ear. He was ready. In his way, he said, I'll protect you. I'll do it. Then God does something outside of that context. He picks up the ear and heals the man. Peter is now, like a lot of Christians, I wanted that guy out of the church. I didn't want to listen to that right now. I was ready to do this. I was ready to go on a mission trip and the pastor didn't allow me. I was being in this thing. I was this. I was that. And there was, I'm ready. But Jesus says, no, that's not the way. Oh, what happens? Insecure. Do you know Jesus? No, I, didn't, I don't. I really don't. Listen, I thought about this. Peter's answer wasn't a lie. He did not understand him. That's why he said, I don't know him. Why? Because he was confronted with something that was outside of what he thought Jesus was coming to do. So when they asked him, do you know this Jesus? Like, I have no cooking clue. It's not, I don't understand. How many of us have been in those moments when God is doing something and you have no idea what he's doing? You feel like Peter in that moment going, I don't understand this. I have no idea what this is. Whew. But he restores him how? In love. He will never leave you in that place. He will come to you, but you have to be the one that says, yes, Lord. And then he says, go and wait till you've received power. Go and wait on me because what I'm about to do in you through the Spirit will give you authority. Because without the Spirit, I don't have authority on certain areas. It's not that position yet. I, I haven't stepped into that yet. So I'm going to wait on him till he releases. We started churches and things started happening and God started just using simple examples. And then suddenly a bunch of guys started saying, hey, we want to be as part of the KLC move. And wow, it's starting to grow and we're getting excited because there's opportunity. And I realized I was running outside of the skill set that I could only find by the Holy Spirit. So I said, no, we've got to stop this. This is not right now. We've got to go smaller. I need to wait and God, until he has deposited something in me that I can now, when I open my mouth, speak with more authority than what I did before that. The other time was just a lighty of 12 years old in a Ford Escort. And I was having fun, but I had no concept of what that authority would be. But when he waited on God, he stood up and he preached and 3,000 people got saved. When he spoke about that, life had happened. Things happened. Change happened. 
Did Peter have experiences before that? Yeah, he walked on water. He had beautiful moments. But I think one of the things, and I'll, and I'll I said I'm going to end, but I'll end with this. Peter comes to Jesus and he says to him, they ask him, who do people say I am? Some say you're a prophet, some say this. And Peter has a conversion moment. Peter gets saved because Scripture says nobody can find God without the Holy Spirit. If God doesn't call you, nobody can get saved. Peter in that moment gets saved because he says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus says to him, that is not revealed by man, it's revealed by the Father. That meant in that moment, Peter got saved. The next part is, uh, is immaturity. Because the next part, Jesus says, this is my vision, this is where I'm going to go. What does Peter say? Ah, uh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me tell you where we're going. What does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan, because you're offending me. Wow. There's two lessons in this. Correction is not rejection. Correction is not rejection. And what the church does not, because we've moved away from the simple things that there is, the watch, the thing, we walked away. When there is a past coming like, hey, man, that's not right. We go like, hey, you don't like me. This is not right. I'm leaving this church. I'm going to make a YouTube video about this. I'm going to tell everybody what this church is about. <laughs> Instead of going like, hey, I want to learn. I want to grow. This might not be what I like, but I want to get maturity in my life, and I want to walk this road to get to that place where it's released. And the second part of this lesson is that there are those who are called to a purpose and those who have a function. Peter understood the call, but not yet understand the function. There's a call on many of your lives in this place. You're called, called to a body, called to that purpose. But God is forming the function. The value is established in Christ. There are no more male, no more female, no more Jew, no more Greek, no more. All of that is done. All of our values, whether I stand up here or whether you are seated there, we have all one value in Christ. One love. He loves us uniquely. Okay? It's not just, I love you exactly the same. It's unique. It's unique because it's connected to your personality, who you are. But our function is found in Christ, and there's different functions that we can only find when we come to that place where we say, Lord, I wait on you. I submit to that. You flow. You do it. You provide that purpose. Because once I've grown in that, I have authority. I have authority to speak. Peter didn't have authority until the Spirit came upon him. Though he understood, he walked on water, he saw signs, Jesus met with him, powerful things. But the anointing gave authority. In that job, you wait on God till the anointing comes, till there's power with what it is, and it moves. We cannot just have normal church anymore. We can't have normal church anymore. And that doesn't mean weird and flaky things. It means really waiting on God. Really putting him first in my life. Jesus is the center of it all. He's the center of it all. Lord, what is this purpose? What is my Sunday? What is, what is the day? What is what's my purpose? What is, it's not just a, a quick pop in so I can go actually do something else. 
People back in the day used to go in their wagons and take a few days out to get to the church and then sleep outside, then come in, spend the entire day there, get back on their wagons and go back to their farms. People walk for days. Well, and I was like, yo, but that's third world. Why is God showing up in some of those countries in supernatural ways? Because it's He's number one. He takes up my time. My, I put, Lord, you're the one. You're the thing I'm going to wait on. I'm going to make the time for you to show up because I, I put you first. And watch what He'll do in your life. Those who wait on the Lord, they'll have strength, they'll not grow weary, and they will not faint. If I have any of those feelings, somewhere I might have just got a little lost on where He was leading me on. So all you need to do is just turn, like, Lord, show me where I stepped out. I'm just stepping back into that. I'm going to wait on you. Because if in any other area that's being caused, when Jesus says to, to Peter, get behind me, he was running away from, what is, what is behind, behind me? And he's saying something that's offending me. I'm turning my back on and I'm walking away. I'm not going to let allow that to offend me. What does he say? Flee from temptation. Right? That temptation is so many used so many times with teenagers when we talk about uh, flee from sexual temptation, run away from that. Like whenever there's, yeah, Bobby, let's get out of here. What do you say? The temptation to get offended. Flee from it. That doesn't mean leave the church because that's sometimes we're like, oh, I'm offended with that thing. No, don't let that offend me. I'm turning my back. I'm looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. That person's causing hurt in my life. Turn my back and walk away from it. What is Jesus doing? Turn your back, walk away from it. This thing's causing distraction in my life. Turn your back, walk away from it. Simple principles that we're getting into. Like, I'm offended with this. I'm offended with that. That affects me. What happens? It just gets one thing upon another thing upon another thing. And what happens? We lose the power because we miss out what God wants to do in my life. You've been brought here. You're part of this church because God's about to do something in your life. That is not done before. Church is changing. A lot of things of the flaky stuff are being shaken off. A lot of the external stuff that we, we held on to in certain ways of doing things, God's shaking off. Says, Let's get to the core of what it means to be a Christian. Simple. It's actually that simple. And once you shake that off, He can move in power like He did in Acts. And within a few years, they turned the entire Asia around. And in a few years, the gospel was preached. Listen, how many people are we here this morning? We're a little bit more than 12, right? We're a bit, we're a bit more than 12. One or two extra. <laughs> Jesus left it all for 12 people. Well, they were 11. And that 11 turned the world around. You're here because of that 11. Just go look at those 11's lives. Some of them doubted. Some of you doubting right now in your life. But God still used them. Some of you have denied. Some of you have had different things. What I shared about Peter. What did God do? Use them. What does God want to do with you? Use you. To turn your world around. To set people free. To bring the gospel to others. To be ministers of what he's doing. Even in your brokenness. Even in your weariness. God wants to do something through you. Would you close your eyes for a moment?
felt this morning on my way here, and God was saying to me, there are people in this place who are exactly like Peter. This offense and hurt has crept into your heart. You're sitting here and you're like, there's stuff that I don't talk about, I don't share it, I don't say it, but that wasn't. Even if it's offended to, with your wife, offended with somebody in church, offended with, um, with God, because God didn't do it your way. You don't want to admit it because you've been in church for too long. I've been there. Lord, I really don't understand what you're doing right now. And I don't want to be offended with you, but I, I am a little bit, if I really have to admit it. And this morning, God wants to come and restore that. God wants to lift that offense off of you. God wants to come and say, like, I'm breaking that thing this morning. My love is breaking through to you. I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to set that free. Some of you have like, there's some old stuff. Like even the fact that you're in this church, maybe because you got, a, you got hurt and offended by, at another church. If you really think about it, you, if you see that people in the street, you'll, 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 you won't even cross. You, you'll go on another street. Because you just don't want to face them. You don't want to see them. They hurt you, they disappointed you, and that offense is just stuck into your spirit. It's keeping you from the, from the, the work that God's got for you. It's limiting you. It's of the devil. That's why Jesus says, offense, get behind me. Satan. He doesn't even call Peter in that moment. Peter, you're offending. He sees it for what it is. It is Satan trying to disrupt and put seed in your heart of doubt. Doubt of who God is. Doubt who you are. Doubt on your call. Doubt on your purpose. Just because you don't see that person doesn't mean that offense is out of your heart. Now that's you this morning and you feel that. I want you to just put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, I remove and give this all to you. I just, I let go of this right now. I let go of all of that right now. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know why they did it. I, I don't have even words to even love on them this morning. But all I can say this morning is, Lord, take this offense. Take this hurt. Take this disappointment. Take this anger. If I think about them, I just give it to you right now. Father, I thank you that that just lifts right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you that forgiveness just floods every heart right now. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus.
Some of that's so real that in this moment, you're just thinking about it, just turns your stomach. But this moment, that breaks. This moment, God says, what I've come is I've come to wipe it clean. I've come to lift it off of your heart. I've come to this moment. I'm here because I'm setting you free. Even the words will disappear. Jesus. Satan, get behind me. Father, I thank you right now. Even in moments where we felt like, Lord, I don't, like Peter in that moment, Lord, I, I don't even know what you're doing right now. How are you healing my enemy's ear? How are you blessing them when they did that to me? How are you even going? Come on, I feel this is so in the spirit right now. How is it possible that they can still go to church and, and be that? And, and I see that they got a new house and they got a new car. And I thought that, they, that bad things would happen to them. This moment, let go. This Lord, I give you all control. I let go of that person. I let go of that pastor. I let go of that friend. I let go of that close, the close friend that had that, that word that they saw, the thing that they said. They, it's just underlying. Some of you, there's such deep words. It's been lying there for years. And this morning, God says, I am cutting to the heart. And I'm removing that. I'm bringing freedom to your heart. I'm bringing freedom to your marriage. I'm bringing freedom to this church this morning. Just because some other leader did wrong in your life doesn't mean that every leader is going to be wrong in your life. Lord, I thank you this morning for just such freedom in this place. I break the yoke of the enemy on people's lives. I want to come and, and keep them limited put a limitation on what you where you want to lead them and I pray this morning Holy Spirit draw us closer into those moments of waiting on you draw us closer in those moments when we make that time, when we take that Saturday, so we go in nowhere, we're going to take this entire Saturday, and we're just going to wait on God. We're going to put worship music on. We're going to just sit. May His presence, Holy Spirit, fill that home, fill that room, fill that car, fill that may the anointing, the yoke-breaking anointing of God fill their homes. And when they walk in here on a Sunday morning, that the atmosphere will be loaded with the presence of God because we've been in his presence we've been with the alabaster jar we've been breaking it at the feet of Jesus and Lord I worship you I worship you left this morning left this morning I felt in this morning some of you have prophetic word that you've been holding on for so long and you've been praying over and what you've done is the prophetic word has become the, a place of where the alabaster jaw has been broken at. 
It's not at the feet of Jesus. It's you constantly are breaking your alabaster jar, your alabaster box. You are putting it at the feet of the promise, not of the one who is the true promise, Jesus Christ. You wait for that, that, that breakthrough in your finances, that promise of children, that promise of a, of a ministry, a promise of a, a life that's given, the things that, man, I, I, I'm just putting words there. You know what it is. God says this morning, give me your Isaac. Give me your Isaac and watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do. If you're praying for your marriage, you promise that God's going to do something supernatural. He's going to do something incredible in your marriage. You, you just had an okay marriage, but you've been praying God for a, a marriage that's on fire, a marriage that's deepened with love and, and power, and you've just been holding on to that, saying, Lord, you'll do this. I want to tell you today, just give that to God, look to Him, and watch what He's about to do. When you wait on Him in this next season, you're going to experience His presence, His love, His comfort and authority like you've never had before. It's going to change your language. It's going to change your way of seeing things. It's going to change things about you. I thank you for that, Lord, today. In the name of Jesus. And now just before we end, just, just take this moment and go, Lord, I... Receive what you have for me. Imbarama kuveda namasuturmu. Jekovusha mangaramu turmuyen. In the name of Jesus. 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 This atmosphere is filled with prophetic. But I made a promise to God. I said, I'm going to step away from that for a season. Because God says, you know in this moment, Holy Spirit speaking to you about something. And He wants you to, to learn His voice more than you listen to the prophet or to any prophetic word. He wants you to know Him. Scripture says, I think it's Ephesians or Galatians, or he, or Philippians, sorry, Ephesians or Philippians, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of Jesus. The grace for a season and the peace in that season is multiplied in knowing him, not the season. I thank you for that, Lord, today. Thank you that you answer prayer. Thank you that you're in this place. I release a, a spirit of revival in this place. I release in this moment. I thank you for fire that's going to explode. I thank you for a passion that's breaking forth in this place. I thank you that every person that's going to walk through that door is going to walk into, into a place of fire, into a place of glory, into a place of transformation like never before. Lives transformed, Father. I thank you for that today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. 
For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.